worship of God takes place by the worship of the Spirit of God. And that Spirit of God is initially in Adam, and then it goes from uh, messenger to messenger to messenger to messenger. And even those messengers themselves that had the Spirit of God in them, like Joshua or like Abraham, they still also had to be reminded and remember that they too are not the ultimate God and are subject to the worship of God. And so they themselves prostrated themselves before the light of God, which came to them in the form of these uh, angels. That's just, uh, that's just a proof as to who they are. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you for joining me again, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me back. God bless you. So today, uh, basically, we want to talk about prayer. You know, what is the origin of prayer? Uh, what is the correct way to pray? And what is the meaning uh, behind the act of prayer? Okay. Okay. And so in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, you know, as well as pretty much every other religion, for the most part, on the planet, uh, they have... Uh, some sort of form of prayer mm -hmm. uh, in which the creation is able to um, speak to uh, the creator, uh, usually uh, from the comfort of their own home or from a temple or synagogue or mosque or church. Yeah. And uh, prayer is a, an important pillar in these faiths. And, uh, and there's a lot of similarities if we come to look at uh, what is written in the Torah and the Bible and the Quran uh, concerning prayer, uh, we find that they are really, 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 really similar. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense because each one of those religions can, it claims to be a continuation of the religion that is beforehand. And uh, people have debated a lot about the meaning uh, of prayer prayer and what the what the purpose of it is uh, because uh, the scholars of the three main uh, western traditions have pretty much agreed that god as a self-sufficient creator who is perfect in all ways is not in need of our prayers and thus the purpose of prayer and the benefits that come from prayer have to be something that is for the creation rather than for the creator. Uh, so it's not like in the old days when we have these ancient uh, mystery religions that were on the planet whereby people, you know, or these idol worshiping religions whereby, you know, the God would demand from the congregation or from his followers uh, that they offer a, a sacrifice so that he could gain a benefit from that. Because there are certain uh, spirit worshiping religions that uh, the gods are dependent on these sacrifices or uh, the more and more that the beings uh, pray or mention its name, it becomes more powerful. So it's in need of this kind of uh, chanting of its name or the, or the prayers to keep the memory of this being alive and thus keeping his existence alive. So he's not really like a, a perfect being but in judaism christianity and islam no uh it is a perfect being and so uh, prayer is a tool which is obligatory that allows the member of that faith to perfect himself by establishing a closer relationship uh, to god 
And in Islam in particular, uh, it happens, uh, so there's, there's uh, five prayers that one must make a day. Yes. Uh, there's Fajr, there's Dhuhr, there's Asr, Maghrib, and Aisha. Mm -hmm. And uh, these five prayers happen at five different times uh, during the day. And its purpose also is that when you hear the call to prayer that you kind of exit out of immediately what it is that you're doing. If in the morning, the dawn prayer, you're sleeping, you have to exit out of that and always remember that the the call to prayer that there's God and that this communication with God is more important than what you're doing. And in the midday, you have to leave your 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 shop or your business or your affair or go on a break and just establish this communication with God and as such for the rest of the prayers. Now, in Judaism, there's three prayers a day. In Islam, there's five prayers a day. Uh, so they're pretty similar uh, in that fashion. What about Christianity? Um, there's no prescribed number of prayers per day. It's much more. Uh, it's much more free. Um, it's more about the personal relationship with God. So people, there are prayers um, that are established prayers, like the Hail Mary, for example, uh, that are, they have a, a specific wording that you repeat. Uh, but then the more uh, common type of praying is just uh, from your heart, basically uh, the prayer that you make from your heart to God. And this can be done any time of day, and there's no prescribed amount of prayers per day like there is in Judaism and Islam. Yeah. It's also interesting to note that uh, they're, they're, uh, in Shia Islam, um, they do. So in Sunni Islam, there's five prayers a day. In Shia Islam, they do um, gather between, uh, a lot of the Shia, not all of them, gather between Duhr and Asr prayer, and they also gather between Maghrib and Aisha prayer. Like you can do that, mm -hmm. uh, and thus it becomes actually five prayers that you're doing in total, but it's three times a day, exactly like in Judaism, that it's three times a day. So that's an interesting parallel. That is interesting. So three and three, three and three, yeah. Um, but they still pray their five prayers. Yes. It's just that, like, they, they you know, they believe that. You know, the the Dohr prayer and the Asr prayer, uh, you know, it, it can be prayed. Both of them could be prayed any time in the window between noon and until sunset. So you have all that time into, uh, to, to pray those those two prayers. And the Maghrib and Aisha prayers, you can pray them any time after sunset until the middle of the night. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, there is though there are some Christians though that do pray in a fashion that is extremely similar to how Muslims and Jews pray. Okay, because when you look at how Jews pray and you look at how Muslims pray, you'll find that as a part of their prayer, there is this act of prostration. Mm -hmm. And when I went to Ethiopia. And we passed by some of the Ethiopian churches that are over there. And online, there's many videos of this where you can find, um, you know, certain sects of Christianity that do fall down in prostration. And they do do the act of bowing in front of usually a picture of Jesus Christ or Mother Mary. Oh, interesting. Okay. Were you aware yeah. of that? Actually, no, I wasn't aware. I mean, uh, the way that I grew up praying, it was, it was generally in the position of kneeling. Um, that's, that's how they do it in the Catholic Church. But um, yes, that's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. So now 
we know that in all three religions, uh, there is this common theme, and the common theme is the act of prostration, although not in all sects of uh, Christianity. But I think that the more important part that is present in all sects of Christianity, all sects of Islam, and all sects of Judaism is this theme of the prostration of the heart, that the person has to be, before they enter into the prayer or the communication with God, in a state and it's this state that they're supposed to be training themselves to maintain throughout their whole life, this, this state of uh, Islam or this state of submission yeah. to God. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. to, be, to be able in, in, in Judaism to live your life by submitting yourself to the will of God and performing basically all of the upholding all of the commandments that God had given to Moses and the, and the prophets. And then we have over here in Christianity also that a Christian has to be in a state of submission to Jesus Christ, right? Yes. Can you be a Christian and just do whatever it is that you want to do? No. So I... you do have to be in submission to Jesus. Yes. Okay. And in Islam, the same thing. Uh, Muslims, they have to, and they pray in order that they be in a state of submission. And the actual act of prostration, um, you know, it's a physical act that from ancient times literally meant, you know, to be in a state of submission yeah. to somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see, um, you know, in many movies or in historical artwork, you'll find that, you know, when, when somebody's being conquered by somebody else, if a king conquers another king, or there are these subjects that are before the king, they're, yeah. uh, many times they're in a state of prostration to show their obedience and their submission to uh, the king. Yes, yeah. They bow before him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, bowing and prostrating. Yeah, so prostrating. the bowing, uh, most people would, would would still see them like standing on their on their feet, but bending over. And we certainly have the bowing also as a part of the Islamic prayer and the uh, the prayer also that the Ethiopians were doing and the, the Christians and also um, you know bowing is a is a part of the uh, of the Jewish faith as well. Okay. Okay. So what are the origins of that? You know, and and we do know that the rest of the prayers are a little bit different, you know, in terms of what you speak or, you know, how often you move or you come up or you go down or your positions in the in the prayers, etc. But if we go, let's look now in the in the in the Quran and then the Torah and the Bible and have a journey together through the stories of the prophets and the messengers to find out the true meaning behind prayer. Okay. It all started off in the beginning uh, with Adam, mm -hmm. and God, he creates Adam, and he appoints Adam uh, in the Quran uh, and also in the Bible. He, he appoints him and, and makes him basically the boss of all things. He makes him a proof upon the rest of the creation. Yes. He makes the rest of creation subject to Adam's command. Right. Mm -hmm. And God commands the angels to prostrate to Adam. Yes. And all of them prostrate, the Quran says, except for Iblis. Yes. Who was too prideful. Yeah. And so he disbelieved. Yeah. Okay. So the opposite of prostrating is pride and disbelief. 
To prostrate means to believe. This act of submission through your prostration to the person or the messenger who's appointed by God, this act of submission to him is an act of faith and is an act of worship. Yeah. You worship God in that way. And that's why the hadith of the Ahl Bayt and Sunni hadith have, have mentioned that Iblis threw a gigantic fit and he begged God. He said to him, I worshipped you, uh, you know, for, for thousands of years. I was in a state of prostration. Nobody prostrated as long as I prostrated. God, I will prostrate to anything that you want me to prostrate to, but I cannot prostrate to Adam. And so God responds to Iblis and he says, I don't want to be worshipped in the way that you want to worship me. I want to be worshipped in the way that I want to be worshipped in. Wow. And so God equates worship of him with this act of prostration to his creature yeah. through his messenger. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting that that was such a heavy test on Iblis and that it, yeah, that God insisted that he, that he wants Iblis to prostrate to Adam, who was the one that he chose, but that was the one thing that he couldn't do. So God, he sends a messenger, messenger is Adam, mm -hmm. and God insists and makes it incumbent in the beginning of creation that creation worship him through this act of prostration to his messenger who is a proof upon uh, the rest of creation. Yeah, and okay? it's very clear. Yeah. Good, very clear. We're in agreement on this. Mm -hmm. Now, then we'll start going down history. Can we find, though, that this repeats again? Because we have a lot of Muslims out there that state, and not just Muslims, but people of other faiths too, Christians and Jews that might say, say well you know how how you know this thing this was this was uh, you know this was not even a part of our bible this this aspect of the prostration of the story of adam or they might say um you know that's just something in the quran or they might say that that was something that took place in that world before people came down here and uh, though when we're here we don't prostrate to anybody else uh, but if we continue actually going down the line of the stories and the messengers, we'll find that, for example, in the story of Abraham, Abraham is residing somewhere and Abraham is a kind man and he's gracious and he's hosting people that pass by and he's the friend of God. And, and uh, his uh, co-prophet, his relative, Lot, is over there in Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, they're doing horrible things. God decides that he's going to send down the punishment. And so he sends three of his messengers to Abraham. Mm -hmm. And if you remember in the story, what happens when they approach Abraham? Abraham uh, bows down before them, prostrates before them. He prostrates before them. He yeah. falls down on his face yes. before them. Falls down on his face yeah. is the, that wording that you find, I guess, in the Old Testament several times. Yeah. Several so. times. And that's what we want to go down uh, you know, and, and, and really highlight. So now we have Abraham prostrating mm -hmm. before who? Before the angels, the three and angels. And the angels are messengers yeah. from God. Yes. Yeah. So Abraham now submits himself to the will of God, yes. which has come to him through the messengers of God, mm -hmm. whom these angels are. And now they're a proof upon Abraham because they're bearers 
of the news, the command that came from God. Yeah. And so as soon as Abraham recognizes them, he falls down in a state of submission yeah. in order to worship God first and foremost and let his intention be clear that he is of one of those who are submitters, that he is a Muslim. Yeah. yeah. Okay, because Muslim just means submitter. Submitter. You know, so in that sense, I don't think that Jews, Christians or Muslims would disagree that Abraham, in that sense, was a submitter. He yeah. submitted. He prostrated himself before the will of God and accepted. Yes, that's true. Yes. Okay. And here he is. And, and, and in the Quran, uh, it makes it explicitly clear that if God was to send down angels onto the earth, that he would send them as men. Yes. And that they would be wearing what the people wore. Yeah. And in the Old Testament, any time that an angel comes down, he always comes down in the form of a man. Yeah. And so here we have Abraham, who's in a state of prostration to three men. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I just want to, and that's not shirk. That's not uh, polytheism. He is not by this act worshiping other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No. Clearly not. He's uh, he's submitting himself to God's will through them because they're the ones that God uh, gave to him, sent to him. Yeah. And then uh, later on in the Bible, we have also uh, the story of Jacob. And Jacob, he has, uh, you know, 12 sons and one of them is chosen to be the successor and that's Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the brothers, what do they have? They have the same problem that Iblis has. They don't want to worship God through submission and acceptance of Joseph. Mm -hmm. They don't like that he is the chosen son. They're afraid of this appointment. They reject this appointment. They see themselves as better. They yes. even say it, just like Iblis said, you know, God asks Iblis, why didn't you prostrate down to Adam? He says, I'm better. You created me from fire. You created them from clay. Over here, um, you know, they refuse to uh, accept Joseph and they say, why? Because we're a stronger gang, right? So they see themselves as stronger than Joseph and better than Joseph, more yeah. worthy, right? Yeah. And yet what takes place? They, Joseph says, I had a dream. Yeah. And I had a dream that there was 11 planets and the sun and the moon, all of them were prostrating to me. Yeah. And the interpretation of this dream by Jacob is that Jacob is the sun. Yeah. Rachel is the moon, yeah. and the 11 planets are the 11 brothers. Yeah. And so what he saw was his mother and his father and his brothers prostrating to him. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and he said it so innocently, just explaining his dream, but I know that it had a very negative consequence and it made the brothers despise him. We know that, that he was the one that God chose in that time. He was the proof of God in his day and age. And, uh, and this dream, of course, came true. In the end, uh, this is what happened. You know, his brothers did submit, finally, in the end of the story, his brothers did submit to the fact that God had placed him there uh, and given him that authority. But uh, it, I know that it... So they fight against they him. They fight against him, and yeah. They try to kill him. They do, yeah. Okay, but in the end, what happens after they sell him? Many years later, Jacob's upset with them. God's upset with them, and they only regain God's favor once again yeah. by an act where uh, in Egypt, all of them collectively uh, fulfill the dream that Joseph had, and they all physically prostrate before Joseph, yes. yeah. and they worship God in that manner. Mm -hmm. 
Jacob and the 11 planets, they're worshiping God through their prostration to the Khalifa of Allah or the proof of Allah or the messenger from God in that time, which was Joseph. Yeah, wow. That's, I mean, that's such a beautiful story. And that it really is that, that act of, I mean, the act of prostration that happens is actually just submission to Joseph as the, the proof of God. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, because what did that act mean? I mean, the act meant pretty much that we will forever obey you. They were, we accept you and we concur that you are better than us and yeah. you're more knowledgeable than us. And, and whatever it is that you say, we will do, you're the boss. We yeah. accept, we surrender. Yeah. So they, they did what Iblis couldn't do, which is they, they overcame their, uh, their pride and they were able to submit to him. So that's very interesting. And God forgives them for God that. forgave them and he blessed them so much. Okay, so now we have uh, the prostration taking place uh, by the angels with Adam, prostration taking place to a creation by Abraham, <laughs> prostration taking place by a to creation by Joseph's brothers and his fathers to Joseph. Mm -hmm. uh, what about one of your most favorite, if not your most favorite of all time, prophet Tiffany, and that is Joshua, son of Nun. Uh, did he ever prostrate to a creature from God? Yes, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and it says that he fell on his face before the angel of the Lord. So again, that, that phrase that's used, he fell on his face, yeah. Okay, so here's Joshua, and he's with his armies, and he's at Jericho, and, and what takes place? This, this all of a sudden, he sees, the Bible says, he sees a man with mm -hmm. a sword, and he asks him, who are you with? Are you with us, or are you with the enemy? Mm -hmm. And the man responds, and he says, I'm with neither one of you. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then he identifies himself as being a messenger from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the moment that he says this, Joshua, son of Nun, falls down into prostration and expresses to the angel that he accepts, expresses to this man that he accepts and asks what it is that God, what message does God have them for them today? So the messenger, once again, from God, this angel is a proof upon Joshua. Joshua worships God through prostrating immediately to the messenger that comes from God. Well, I mean, you read these stories, but I think what, what we kind of miss is that it's a huge thing for the fact that these people um, are these angels of the Lord, they appear as men and they just walk up and they identify themselves as angels of the Lord. And immediately the, the messengers from God, they prostrate themselves. They completely submit to this man. And I think that, uh, God coming, uh, in, in the form of man or God uh, sending a man as a messenger is, is actually kind of difficult on people. That's where people get caught up and that's where people don't, uh, they don't submit themselves because a man would look just like an ordinary person, but uh, it's the faith. That's the f where the faith comes in, that you recognize that it's actually God's spirit in this man. God is, is using this man, uh, and, and God gave this man as his messenger. It's one of those interesting stories That's because it's, it's instant, you know. He, he falls on his face and prostrates. Because he recognizes. Yeah. Okay, so now we have what? We have the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I think that one of the first stories that we encounter in the New Testament is the birth of Jesus Christ. 
And uh, one of the, the amazing things that took place at the birth of Jesus Christ was that there was these these three magi, you know, that were traveling and they were following the star uh, that let them know that there was somebody that was really special that was born, a messenger from God. Mm-hmm. And so they travel and travel and travel until they reach there. And then the Bible says that, what do they do? As soon as they see baby Jesus, they fall down, all three of them, in prostration and worship him, the mm-hmm. Bible says. Mm-hmm. And so here you have a yet another incident, an instance of believers whom when they encounter the messenger from God or the, they, they immediately fall into a state of prostration and they worship God through this act of prostration to his messenger and to his light in creation or his spirit in creation. Yeah. Because remember... Uh, in the story of, of, of Adam in the Quran, uh, God tells the angels, if he first, he shows them Adam, they know, they see the body of Adam. They're not prostrating and they're not commanded to prostrate to the flesh, to mm-hmm. the physical clay body. Yeah. But he says, if I blow in him my from my spirit, then fall down in prostration. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's it. So that is the key is that people in Judaism and Christianity, and we're going to get to Islam, but actually it already kind of encompasses Islam because of the Quranic story of Adam and the angels. So in these three religions, the worship of God takes place by the worship of the spirit of God. And that spirit of God is initially in Adam, and then it goes from uh, messenger to messenger to messenger to messenger. And even those messengers themselves that had the Spirit of God in them, like Joshua or like Abraham, they still also had to be reminded and remember that they too are not the ultimate God and are subject to the worship of God. And so they themselves prostrated themselves before the light of God, which came to them in the form of these uh, angels. That's just, uh, that's just a proof as to who they are because they, they, they submit themselves to God fully. Yeah. It's yeah, it's so true. The spirit of God, this is what, this is what the people are, are meant to prostrate towards. Okay, so now it's the worship of the Spirit of God through the messenger. Exactly. And this is the meaning behind the Muslim prayer. If you look in the Muslim prayer, what do you see? You see that Muhammad established for them this prayer Mm -hmm. after he got commanded, uh, you know, to to do and shown how to do it on his night journey uh, when he went and spoke with God. And you have a congregation. And the congregation is led by the imam of the congregation. And the imam of the congregation, he is the one who does a movement. So initially he'll be first standing and he'll read Surah Al-Fatiha after doing the takbir. And he will uh, read another surah and then he'll go in a a state of ruku'ah, he'll bow and then he'll get back up, and then he'll go into a state of sujood. And in each time before he goes into one of these states, he'll say, Allahu Akbar, God is great. 
and the congregation behind him will follow him. Mm -hmm. He does it first, and then the congregation does it second. Yeah. He does it first, and then the congregation will follow after that. Mm -hmm. And so the congregation are worshiping God through the imitation and submission in movement to the imam who is leading them mm -hmm. in their movement and the imam and the congregation. So the imam is not facing the congregation as to where he's the one who's who's bowing towards the congregation and they're bowing towards him or that the congregation itself is doing the movement as, as you know, because then they, it would be as if they're worshiping him, but rather he is faced in the other way yeah. towards God as well. Yeah. And he's worshiping God first and the congregation is worshiping God through their obedience and submission in movement and following and surrender to the actions of the Imam. So when Rasulullah was standing before the people and leading them in prayer, they were, he was worshiping God and they were worshiping God through following and submitting to the Imam of their time who was Muhammad and the whole Muslim prayer is in, is in expression of this concept, this ancient concept that we find in, you know, from, from Judaism, from the time of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, all the way through uh, the Jewish scriptures and the Bible all the way till today. When you explain it like that, it's just so symbolic. I see the meaning of it in, in the physical uh, the actions. It's putting the meaning, uh, uh, it's, it's fulfilling the meaning. So the people are submitting to the Imam of, of the time. The people were submitting to, to the Prophet Muhammad and Prophet Muhammad himself was submitting to God. So there's this, this, uh, this is God's system that he created. The people are prostrating uh, and the direction uh, that like behind uh, the Imam of the time who is submitting himself to God. So it's, it's so beautiful. It's, it's so clear that that is the meaning of it. And so in summary, we state that the uh, true meaning of prayer is to be physically and, and spiritually, like inside of you, you have to be in a state of submission and prostration to the Imam of the time, like the Prophet said, whoever dies and doesn't know the Imam of his time has died the death of ignorance. Whoever has died and doesn't have in his neck a pledge of allegiance to the Imam of his time has died the death of ignorance. Yeah. And so you have, we have to be in a state of surrender to the Messenger of God, and God sends a messenger to every people in every age. There's no time, according to the narrations, that God ever leaves the earth without an imam from him, a guide, a caliph. And and so you have to be in submission to this caliph. You have to be willing to stand behind him in prayer and in all things like demonstrated in the prayers we spoke. And you also, the, the true worship is this physical prostration which the people make uh, towards, and it's really intended to be towards the caliph of God who has the spirit of God. Yeah. Where are the Muslims prostrating to? They're prostrating to the Kaaba. Yeah. What is the Kaaba? The Kaaba is the house of the spirit of God. It's the house of God. Where were the Jews prostrating to? Towards the temple. What did the temple house? Yeah. It housed the holy, holiest of holies. Yeah. And in it was the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant dwelt the spirit of the Lord. So they were yeah. all 
prostrating towards these buildings of stone, right? But they were not worshiping the stone. What was meant to be worshiped was the spirit that dwelt within the stone. And human flesh is more honorable and more noble and more valuable and better of a home. The heart of the human being is better of a home and the human being is a better and more honorable, noble cre- creature than sticks and stones. Of course, yeah. And so, and so what's meant by this prostration to these buildings is just to prostrate towards the house of God and in every day and age, God's spirit is housed in a man. Whoever knows this man is a believer, and whoever prostrates to this man is a believer, and whoever rejects this man is and to, and is too prideful to prostrate and worship God through this man is a non-believer. Wow. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you've given us so much to think about because it is not just about the actions, but it's about what the actions represent. And the deep meaning of these actions is submission to the Spirit of God, which is housed in a man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it, it's, it, I just think that it's a wake-up call for people who are, uh, you know, performing the actions, but they're not aware of the meaning. Uh, thank you so much for, for explaining and, that. And thank you for joining me again. Thank you so much.